1 Corinthians chapter 11. God wants us to stand up. He wants us to be like him. He wants us to follow the precepts, the teachings, the doctrine that he has laid out for us. And most of all, he wants us to follow his example. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul is writing here, he says, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, he also wrote to Timothy, one of his disciples. He was teaching him. He says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. And so we are supposed to follow Christ. Now, would Jesus ever have stepped back from the Pharisees and listened to their grievances and then said, okay, well, let's see how we can work with that and compromise. He would not have done that. He would have listened to what they had to say. And so we need to listen to what they have to say. Then we're supposed to judge what they say. Also their actions. Because we want to make sure that if what they're saying lines up with their actions and it's evil, we call that evil. If what they're saying lines up with their actions and our actions are good, we call that good. We don't shy away from that. And we don't shy away from it if we think we might experience some kind of harm. If harm comes to us, we know that we will suffer persecution if we live godly lives in Christ Jesus. So this is what the Lord is calling us to. You know, we're so sheepish sheepish sometimes about talking about religion and politics. I love those two subjects. I will talk about them all day. People come up to me, and I've had conversations over the past three months. People will come up to me and say, so what do you think? What do you think about this COVID thing? What do you think about Trump? What do you think about AOC? What do you think about Black Lives Matter? They'll ask me all these questions, and I have lots of opinions. And, and I'll give them the opinions, but I tell them if it's my opinion or if it's what the Lord says. And I said, just follow what the Lord says. That's what we need to do. But the whole point is, we're supposed to be talking. If we are not talking, we are not being the disciple that Jesus asks us to be. Look for the opportunities. If you don't have the opportunities, create the opportunities to be an example of who Christ was. Now, we can follow Paul and his example as long as he follows Christ. So we should be quick to say, like Paul, do not follow me, but follow Christ or follow Christ in me. But we are also to consider the proposition that we possess nothing good within us. Have you ever turned to somebody and said of somebody else, they're a good person. We know what scripture has to say about that. Jesus, Mark ten eighteen. why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. In Psalms 16, verse 2, I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. But yet we we want to take humanity and we want to say they're good and they're not. We have to say we're all a bunch of sinners. We're all rotten to the core. That's who we are. If somebody who who comes along and says, well, children, they're born innocent. No, they are not. They're little devils packaged about this big. And, and, and then when you start teaching them how to speak, it starts coming out. 
That's what little children are. Now they're cute and cuddly and all of that, and they burp up and you have to change them. And just all of those things come along with it. But they are fallen humanity just like the rest of us. There is no one who is good, and we need to tell people that. The only standard of good is God, and he's the one we need to look to, the one we need to follow his example of and give that example to others. This is a radical idea especially for our generation, the realization that we are not good, that we are intrinsically bad or even evil, and that we need to be redeemed from this perpetual state. And God is going to do that. It's a constant battle that will end in our death and the reception of a new life and a new heart given to us by Christ himself. So if we start with that basis, that's a foundation for where we are. There is no one who is good, Only God is good. We need to tell people about God and hopefully God will dwell in them and change the evil or the bad which is in them to be good. That's why we need to tell our kids. We need to tell our grandkids. We need to tell our neighbors. We need to tell tell our friends. You know, uh, and, and also to do good. Now, this other conversation that I had, somebody came up to me and, and we were talking about the, the COVID and the election that's coming up. They wanted to talk about the election. And they said, well, but Trump. I said, yeah, Trump? Trump or Biden? I'm going to vote for him, but I'm holding my nose. And I said, oh, so you'd rather have Biden? Well, you know, he's so much nicer. And I said, so you would like to have a nice communist over a really raucous free market guy. That's what you'd rather have? And that's kind of the choices. You know, let's say it. President Trump, he sticks his foot in his mouth sometimes. I'll be the first one to agree with that. And he's a fighter. He comes from Queens, don't you know? You know, that's where he's from. And sometimes I love the fight. It's kind of like the bumper sticker thing. I look at that and go, yeah, no, I shouldn't like that. And and sometimes he fights and it's like, okay, just keep winning. Will you just keep winning? You know, and do you know why the reason there's so much violence and the BLM was able to come up and Antifa and all of that? Everybody's out of work, right? What happened to the crime rate when the economy was pumping? It went down. And in impoverished neighborhoods, black community, it went down. Murders went down. So the whole overriding issue is build the economy up. Everybody's working. Everybody's being prosperous. Crime goes down. But if you take away the prosperity, crime goes up. Chaos ensues. Those evildoers start moving in. And they are in places like Washington, D.C., And they are hiding behind the scenes. And there are evildoers who are there. Some people would say, well, one of those is George Soros. Well, it might be George Soros. I know he funds a lot of things that I don't agree with. But there are many other, again, I use this word, nefarious characters out there. Those who are bent on evil. And you know, the Lord says in his word, in Proverbs chapter 6, there are six things that the Lord does hate. Yes, there are seven that are detestable. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill, and a heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. A false witness who pours out lies, media. And a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. 
If you read that, God hates when people act like that. And it actually says he hates some of those people. And some of us go, well, wait, he's a God of love. Yes, he's a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. He hates the evil deeds that evildoers do. And those who do evil will be condemned unless they repent. And so our example is to be to follow Christ. Verse 2 here says, I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the teachings just as I pass them on to you. If you've been a Christian long enough, you know right and wrong. You understand what Scripture has to say. You have the Ten Commandments. You have honor God above all else and do not make any graven image and do not take his name in vain and remember the Sabbath and keep it holy and honor your father and mother and do not murder and do not commit adultery and do not steal, do not lie, do not covet. We know those things. We have those down. Those are the Ten Commandments. And we're supposed to follow those things and teach others to do the same while all the while being respectful of the other views people don't know. People are ignorant. We're not to judge the people of the world. They just haven't heard. Or if they've heard, they've put it to the side. They maybe do not understand what is going on? I was recently listening to an atheist online and him give his uh, views of what he thought the Bible was and how evil the Bible was and how there was slavery in the Bible. And he clearly misunderstood. His name is Sam Harris. If you've never listened to Sam Harris, I would invite you to do that. And as he has a debate with like William Lane Craig and they go back and forth. And the, the guy is, as far as his thinking goes, he is as slippery as a snake, and I use the snake. The guy is an atheist to the core, and he hates God, and he hates his word. Slavery in the Old Testament was used for economic purposes. You could sell yourself as a slave, and you could do so for a period of six years, and in the seventh year, you were to be released, and the person that you worked for, they were to give you some wealth to go away with. You were not to go away empty-handed, and you had the chance to stay there inside this person's household that you sold yourself to, and if you did so, you were called a bondservant, and they gave you a gold ring in your ear that you would be a servant for life but then every year of jubilee everything that you had ever sold or given away was to revert back to that family and so it was a way in order to keep people alive at that time because they didn't have resources like we have here if you were poor you could actually die of hunger I don't think we're dying of hunger in the United States of America. I've seen buses all over the neighborhoods giving away food for whoever wants it. There are the uh, food stores that we have. We have uh, one in Lakeside that gives away food here. You know, so it's not like it was back then, and that's why God set it up. But somebody like Sam Harris misinterprets what the Bible has to say about slavery, and he condemns all of Christianity, and he doesn't even understand what is there. And it's our job to go and explain it. Let them know what's supposed to be going on. Let them know how the covenant people were taught back then. And let them know how the people under the dispensation of grace are to walk in this day and age. But most of all, we are not to be silent. And we are to look for those which we can share our faith with. And let them know what right and wrong is. Now, that's just two verses that I got in there. And I'm not going to continue with chapter 11 here. We're going to just pick that up as a a regular course this next week. But I want to encourage you guys, study to show yourself approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth so you might be able to teach it to others. You might be able to instruct them. One final thing, I was talking to this other guy this last week, and he goes, did you hear? I said, no, what? And he said, 
there's this guy on YouTube and he gave me his name. His last name's Bauer. I forget what his first name is. He goes, yeah, the, the Saudi Arabia, they're going to build this new city and it's going to be 33 times the size of New York. 33. Imagine that. Why 33? I don't know. Some cosmic number which is out there. Maybe it has to do with God and the Trinity or something. I'm going, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, it's, it's, 33 times bigger, they're going to build this mega complex because they're running out of oil. They don't have the sweet oil anymore and they're running out and so they're going to do this. They're investing in other places and you know what that place is going to be used for? By the way, do you know where Mount Sinai is? Mount Sinai is in Arabia. I said, yeah, I know that. It says in the book of Galatians. Yeah, it's, it's over there. This is going to be for the second exodus. The Jews are going to exit over to this new city which is going to be built. And I go, what are you talking about? Where does it say that in scripture? So I looked up this guy and I started listening to him. Oh yeah, Jeremiah chapter 16 and verse 23. It's all there in Deuteronomy. It's, there's going to be a second exodus of the Jews. I go, what are you talking? I didn't say it like that. I was doing that in my head. I go, oh really? And he's trying to tell me all this stuff. There's so much error which is out there. I have to go back and talk to this guy about this. I just want to encourage you guys. You know, as we see the COVID, as we see the BLM, as we see the Antifa, we see the violence, the lockdowns, the the governors and the mayors who want to put their thumb on people and say, you have to do this. And they want to put it on the churches and keep them from meeting because most of the time they vote in a conservative manner, not a liberal manner. All of that is happening out here. We just need to stand. You just need to be like a, a tent peg, a stone, which is there, immovable, This is what the Lord says, no matter what the consequences, this is what I'm standing by. Make sure it's not your or my opinion. Make sure it's the opinion of Jesus Christ himself. If we do that, it's going to be a fantastic existence. If we don't, we have what we have today. My prayer for you is that you are able to dive into God's word. You're able to memorize it. You're able to make it your own. You're able to communicate it effectively. Now, what we're going to do, we're going to be receiving communion here. The worship team is going to come up. And I want to explain exactly what we're doing. Of course, Scripture tells us that Jesus went to the cross for us. He shed his blood that we might have forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, it was commanded that blood had to be shed in order for there to be an atonement for sin. And I think most of all of us know this already, but it's always good to be reminded of it. That without that blood sacrifice, we would still be lost in our sins. Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. His sacrifice of his blood was able to remove all sin from all people for all time if they just receive the forgiveness. We remember this act by receiving of the juice. Now, the bread represents the bread of Jesus or his body, the body of Jesus Christ. And so scripture tells us that Jesus is the bread of life. That's what he called himself. So when we eat the bread, we have life. Just like if we eat normal bread, we have physical life. This bread that we take is representative of Jesus's body. It doesn't actually turn into his body. There's some traditions that say that. But it doesn't, just like the blood, it doesn't actually turn into the blood of Jesus. Some traditions say that this is symbolic. So we take of the bread, we take of the cup, we get life through the bread and remission of sins through the cup. And then when Jesus looks at us, 
and the Father, through the eyes of Jesus, we are acceptable to him. Otherwise, we would not. Otherwise, we'd be cast out. So this is very precious to us that we have the blood and we have the bread. So what we're going to do as I'm walking over here, I'm going to explain this. We are going to release one row at a time. And as we release the rows, you can walk up, I would say, walk to the outside of your row towards the wall and then make a round so each row will come out and you'll file and you'll pick one up and then you'll go back to your seat and you'll sit down. And the ushers will direct. uh, There's one tray for that side, one tray for this side. They'll direct you on how to best accomplish this. But before we get started doing that, I just want to pray. And then as we get ready to receive the elements, Steve will come up. And he will pray over the uh, bread and over the juice and give you instruction again about how to open that. And we'll be able to participate in remembering the crucifixion of Jesus Christ by which we have remission of sins. As we are singing this song here, I would invite you, if there's anything you need to ask forgiveness for, do it. This song is, Oh, Come to the Altar. So we come to the altar of sacrifice, Jesus Christ, if we're hurting or we're broken inside, and we're able to ask him for forgiveness. And First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Once you guys have all filed through, just hold on to the cup and we'll participate in receiving it together. <laughs>